there's no way. <laughs> no way. No, there, there, absolutely, there's no way this is happening. Okay, who, who's who's pulling a prank on me? Come on, I'm being punked, right? There, there's, I'm on candid camera. That's a dated reference. There's no way this is real. I mean, come on. There's just no way. This cannot be Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're live on the air. Hey, 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 okay, hey, hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to today's focus for Wednesday, April the 26th, 2023 at 9.42 a.m. Central Time. Thank you for tuning in. And yes, I'm, I, I, I can't believe this is real. I can't believe this is real. I know I'm supposed to t- tell you what today's focus is, but right now there's just no way. This, this just cannot be real. This cannot be happening. This is a joke. It, there's just, no, th- th- this can't be a coincidence. I don't believe a coincidence is right. So, so this is this divine providence. What do I call this? Let me explain. Let me explain. I'm, I'm kind of just acting out what occurred early this morning. Let me let me explain. So early this morning, I'd gotten a couple of hours of sleep. I kind of woke up and I leaned over and I realized, wait a minute, my iPad's not playing anything. Well, I th- what was I listening to? I can't, I can't even remember what I was listening to before I went to sleep. I fell asleep listening to something, obviously, but I couldn't remember what I was listening to. But whatever it was, it stopped playing. And so I'm like, well... I need to listen to, I need, I need to listen to something. So I reached over, picked up my iPad. I know you're not going to believe this. I know you're not going to believe this. You're going to think I'm joking. All right. But I leaned over, grabbed my iPad, opened up the sermons 2.0 app, went down to where it says newest sermons. And I clicked on the newest sermon, the very first one. There's no way this is real. There is no way this is real. It's just no way. This is, they add sermons constantly to that app, right? So, so you've got to see how this would play out. First, I have to open the app just at the right time to find that as the newest sermon. Now, it'd be one thing if they only added one or two sermons a day. You'd be like, well, there's a good chance you were going to see it. But they add sermons literally by the minute, by the hour. It's constantly being updated. I mean, one time we were live on the air and I was trying to demonstrate this, that from the time I started a program to the time I was getting close to the end, they had already added like 30 sermons. Like, it's just crazy how many sermons are added to the Sermons 2.0 app, sermon audio on, on a just an hourly basis. I don't know what the statistics are, but it's just crazy. So I was like, okay, so first of all, that's already just, that almost makes this impossible that I would just happen to open the app at the right time. But not only did I happen to open up the app at the right time, They just happened to post a sermon very much connected in certain ways to what my last live broadcast was about. In fact, what my last two live broadcast, in fact, what my last three live broadcasts have been about. Because I know yesterday for the Today's Focus, do you remember, we started talking about the Song of Solomon and how we should interpret it. Then I get a long email. Then I do two hours plus of live broadcasting responding to that email. And then (laughs) I wake up 
There's just no way. This is just not. Look, you may not think it's that. You you may think it's no big deal. Ah, just a weird coincidence. Who cares? But for me, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. So, so this is what happened. All right. So I leaned over, grabbed the iPad. As soon as I saw the name of the sermon, I just started cracking up. I'm like, this cannot be real. This just, there's no way. Who's messing with me? Who's messing with me? But I, I hit play, set the iPad down, started listening. I made it six. I think maybe I may have made it six minutes into it. And I'm like, okay, I, look, I have no choice. This has to be today's focus. So today's focus is a sermon that you can currently find on the Sermons 2.0 app, the Sermon Audio website. And I do challenge you today to go listen to the entire thing. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm going to play a little bit of this. You're just not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. This is hilarious, right? Here we go. This is what I think. What time was it this morning? I don't know. I don't even know what time it was, but this is the very first thing I saw, the very first thing I heard when I woke up this morning, thanks to the Sermons 2.0 app. You tell me if you think it's funny. You you tell me. You may you may not have had the same reaction. I know you'll be like, you're over dramatic and everything is exaggerated with you. It's no big deal. But for me, it's a big deal because I went to bed very frustrated over all of that I had to do last night dealing with, well, the Song of Solomon and Solomon and being told certain things about, well, because of Solomon's great character, he would not have ever written a book about, I guess, physical, intimate relationships, which I find just hilarious. But here's what I found this morning on the Sermons 2.0 app. I'll give you the full title of the sermon in a little bit, but here we go. You ready to listen to this? We're going to just do a kind of a, we're not going to review the whole sermon, obviously, for our today's focus episode, but I'm going to at least introduce it to you so that you will go look it up and listen to it for yourself today. Here we go. Well, dear congregation, dear friends, I ask you to please now turn your very prayerful attention to those words that I read to you earlier in your hearing there in 1 Kings chapter 11. We arrive in our consecutive week-by-week studies in this chapter 11 of the book of 1 Kings. Last time, if you're... Now, just remember, if you, if you don't have anything going on today, make 1 Kings chapter 11 a part of your focus for today. If you need something to focus on, grab the Bible app. If you have a physical Bible, just read 1 Kings chapter 11 today. Just read it, all right? Just read it, okay? Well, because I talked about this multiple times <laughs> yesterday in the live broadcast. It's just so, I don't know, do I call it, I, do I call it ironic? Do I call it hilarious? Do I call it like, you've got to be kidding me? Because that was one of the major points I tried to make in my whole responding to that email uh, that someone had written to me. It, it, it's, here we go. Let's just, let's see what they have to say here. Remember, in chapter 10, we saw King Solomon, his rise, his great rise to fame. God had given him tremendous wisdom. And uh, when the Queen of the South came, she saw Solomon all in his glory and all in his splendor. 
here's a here's a something to focus on today. I can give you a lot of things to focus on today. I want you to listen to the rest of this sermon. I'll give you the title. I want you to read First Kings chapter eleven. But here's something I really want you to contemplate. If God was to give you all wisdom that you, in fact, he was to give you so much wisdom that you would be even wiser than Solomon was, would that in any way, shape, or form overcome the depravity that remains in you? Will wisdom overcome depravity? Will wisdom overcome your sinful nature? You as a Christian, if God was to give you all the wisdom, would that wisdom triumph? Would that wisdom overcome the sinfulness, the sin nature that still remains in you? Because a lot of people's like, hey, if you get wisdom, then you can overcome sin. But is that, is that how it works? Because Solomon was the wisest man. And how did it, well, let's just see what happens. And in this sense, Solomon is a type of Christ in terms of his grandeur, in terms of his great power. Now, I love this because now we're talking about typology, right? See, in this sense, Solomon was a type of Christ. See, in 1 Kings 10, he's a type. In 1 Kings 11, well, clearly he's not a type. Well, wait a minute. What happened to the type? Well, types don't have to be perfect. No, because types are subjective. When you want to look at one thing and go, that's a type, then it's a type. And when you want to look at something and go, well, that's not a type. So it's a type until it's not a type. Hey, this is a type and then it's not a type. So it's just subjective, like, hey, Solomon is a type of Christ here. Now, if 1 Kings 10 mentions something about Solomon that then a New Testament writer grabs and then points to Christ, then by all means make that claim. But I just find it so funny, like, well, in this case, it's a type. Oh, well, well, wait a minute. The type doesn't work there. So it just, it works until it doesn't work. Until, until, oh, it works. And well, now, now it doesn't work. Well, wait a minute. How, what are the rules for types? It's so subjective. It, I don't know, under, I don't understand whenever I mention that people get so upset with me. It's just like, oh, look at this. It's a perfect type. But yeah, the next three verse. Well, no, 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 no. The type stops there. Oh, because you say so. Because you just, you just say so. So, so the type starts when you say it starts. And it stops when you say it stops. Now, you could argue, hey, in this passage, there's some things about Solomon that is mentioned by New Testament writers that they seem to point to Christ. Or you could say that in 1 Kings 10, maybe we see Solomon's rise to glory and to wisdom, but the New Testament demonstrates that someone greater than Solomon had arrived. So therefore, is he a type of Christ? Is Solomon a type of Christ if Christ was greater than Solomon? I, I don't know. Just, just these are just interpretive hermeneutical questions one should ask when dealing with these subjects. But wait, but let's keep, let's keep listening. What's going to happen? Wisdom. But of course, all that the wisdom Solomon had was ultimately from Christ. Christ bestowed upon him great wisdom. But sadly, Solomon had so much self-confidence, and that shows in the later part of his life. 
Well, when the Queen of the South came to see all that Solomon had, well, she said when she heard the report, she didn't believe it until she came. And then when she came, she said the half was not told me. And we are told that when she saw all that Solomon had and all that was said and done in his house and at the house of the Lord, there was no spirit left in her. That is, she was left completely, completely breathless and she was speechless when she saw all of these things. Well, his fame had gone into all the world. And as we thought about it, Solomon worked tirelessly, engaged in building a great empire. But he took his eyes off the Lord, it seems. He had his affection upon the things of this world, building and rebuilding cities, making many things. We can read the book of Ecclesiastes, what he did in his life, how for many years he pursued the things of this world and tried to get mirth, tried to get happiness from attaining to the things of this world. So in the last chapter, chapter 10, we saw Solomon. So wait, Solomon spent a good portion of his time setting his affections on things of this world, pursuing things of this world. Wait, I thought Solomon was so godly that there's no way he could have written a book about a physical union because, you know, he would never and get in. I mean, so. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now I'm being a little bit sarcastic because it's just funny. And again, this is just hilarious that this is what I was listening to after what I did last night in the live broadcast. I mean, yesterday we spent three programs dealing with Solomon and here, here we go. This is what I wake up to. It's almost like someone is like, you're not done with Solomon yet. You're going to keep listening to things about Solomon. You're going to keep talking about Solomon. You're not done yet, right? I mean, because I didn't plan this. It literally was the first thing that shows up. But let's keep listening. Solomon, his wisdom and power, and we saw his influence. But in this chapter, what we see is his shocking fall and his demise. The shocking fall. And his demise, the wisest man, the wisdom did not overcome his fleshly nature. His wisdom did not overcome his sinful nature. That, that's something to consider. If you were to get all wisdom, it still would not overcome the very thing inside of you, which is a sinful nature. That's something that someone has to at least, well, I think it's worthy of our meditation and consideration today. Now, the name of this sermon, I do want you to find it on the Sermons 2.0 app today. It's called the downfall of the wisest man, exclamation mark. The downfall of the wisest man, exclamation mark. I would really challenge you to listen to it. This comes to us from Bethel Reformed Baptist Church. I want you to find it today. Listen to it. We're going to continue to do a little bit of review here for the today's focus. But I, I just, there's just no way I could wake up today and do a today's focus ignoring how this all went down this morning because it was just absolutely hilarious. It was just like, you got to be kidding me. I, the first thing I, li the, I, I decide to listen to a sermon and the first sermon deals with Solomon after three basically hours of dealing with Solomon yesterday. It's almost like, okay, when I get to church tonight, 
We're going to have to deal with Solomon. Like, like I, I, I think, I think my path is being given to me, and I must follow it. But let's listen to a little bit more of what he has to say here. We see his fall into sexual immorality. Wait, Solomon fell into sexual immorality? That's impossible. That's impossible. There's no way Solomon could have fallen into sexual immorality because he is so spiritual, he would have never written a book about physical desire, lust, love, erotic union, or however you whatever words you want to describe the Song of Solomon. But it sounds like he may have actually been very well equipped to write said book about physical relationships or a physical union. In fact, he may have been one of the most qualified people to ever live to write said book or said poem, right? I mean, possibly. And then sadly into idolatry, even for many a year. And it happened really as an old man, we're told when he was an old man that these things happened. Now, we do believe when we read the book of Ecclesiastes that there seemed to be a turning back to the Lord. We believe that Ecclesiastes really is his swan song. Just so you know, there's a lot of debate on the order. Like, where do we put Proverbs? Where do we put Ecclesiastes? And where do we put a Song of Solomon? Some people say Proverbs is young. Uh, Song of Solomon is in the middle, and Ecclesiastes is his last. Is the last. Now you can you can go look up Bible handbooks trying to figure out the order of these books. You can go read all of the arguments about the order, and 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 does the order does the order impact how you interpret them? Like if if Proverbs, like if if Proverbs is when he was young then how do we interpret that considering he's going to basically violate everything he wrote when he was young? Like he writes Proverbs when he's young and then, and then he, what, then what, then he then writes song of Solomon because he's pursuing women. And then somewhere after Proverbs, he then goes through this entire, like trying to pursue all of the things in Ecclesiastes. And then finally in Ecclesiastes, we get his final, I guess, supposed his return to God. Like, how do you, how do you interpret that? Like, so did, did Ecclesiastes happen after first Kings 11? Like there's just like trying to put it in a chronological order. Does it not, does it greatly impact how you interpret it? Does it greatly impact how you understand it? I mean, I think it's worth, worth a consideration. Because if Proverbs is written young and then he just basically violates everything in Proverbs, how, how does that, like, let's say, let, for example, let's say uh, someone preaches for 10, 15 years. They preach sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. And then after 15 years, they just violate everything they've ever preached. They just, they're just, man, they're sleeping with prostitutes, doing drugs, engaged in homosexual relationships. I mean, they're just, they're coveting. I mean, they just, they just do everything wrong. Would you be like... Just throw out all of their sermons. Because for some weird reason, we just keep reading Proverbs. But when we get to 1 Kings 11, we read, but King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, 
women of the Moabites. The Moabites? Now, is he supposed to be having anything to do with Moabites? Ammonites? Edomites? Zidonians? And the Hittites? Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. Wait a minute. He's literally now engaged with women that he's not supposed to be engaged with. He's not supposed to be in an intimate relationship with these women. He's literally violating the law of God just right there. All right. And there's a warning because they're going to turn your heart away from God. He had 700 wives uh, and 300 concubines. 700 wives, 300 concubines. I think I kept messing that number up saying 700 concubines and 300 wives. If I messed that up last night, I apologize. But there's the actual verse. 700 wives and 300 concubines. The point is he had a thousand women. A thousand women. So he's with women he's not supposed to be with. There's sin, number one. Number two, straight up polygamy. No way to get around that. Number three, clearly adultery at an Olympic level. Clearly doing that. Oh, and by the way... And his wives turned away his heart. He turns away his heart from the true God. Oh, there's another sin. Oh, and by the way, for as it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. He becomes an idolater. Solomon violates God's law by going with women that he's not supposed to be with. He's a polygamist. He's an adulterer. And he's an idolater. But for some weird reason, It would supposedly be out of character for Solomon to write the Song of Solomon about possible being very descriptive about a physical union and relationship. I I, I just, I, I just, Solomon just, just Solomon makes me, Solomon almost I don't, I don't even know the correct words. It, 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 Solomon, I guess in some ways confuses me because the way Christians treat Solomon is so radically different than they would treat any Christian in any capacity if they were to engage in even one of his sins. They, they would be canceled, removed, excommunicated, the end. But at the meantime, we're like, hey, kids, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. It's just hilarious the way this is. Let's let's just listen to a little bit more of this sermon. As we will see, words quoted there, and I'll refer to them in Ecclesiastes. But here, we see the sad case of Solomon, even in his latter years. And what we must say is that not all Christians end well. And we are to be reminded of that in our lives. If you turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12... We note there, again, it's important to remind ourselves of this. Ecclesiastes 1.12, Solomon now styles himself as a preacher. He says in verse 12 of chapter 1, I, the preacher, or the word there, calleth, and that's actually how what the book of Ecclesiastes is originally called, calleth, calling out the people of God, but there the preacher, it begins. I, the preacher, and here he says in verse 1, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. So he's referring back to those days, 
I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail or work hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And then later, if you turn to chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes and look at the verse 13, it says there, Solomon, having been king and gone astray for a while, he says this in chapter 4, verse 13, Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Solemn, isn't it? The Lord had admonished him, and the Lord had appeared to him twice and warned him what would happen if he walked not after God's ways. Well, Solomon, he walked not in that wisdom always. He had great wisdom, but the problem is the heart. The heart is never to rule our minds. and It seems to be the problem in Solomon's life. We might scratch our heads and wonder, how is it that a man can be so wise and yet be so foolish at the same time? You, you've heard people say, well, don't you take your own advice? So often we're like that. We don't take the advice that we know to be right. Wisdom is discernment, but we often do not walk after the wisdom and the discernment and the light that God has given us. And we must remember that Solomon is merely a man. And you and I are merely men and women. And he that thinketh he stand, the apostle says, best take heed, lest ye fall. Solomon was wise, but he began to have so much self-confidence, and even when he was admonished, no doubt, there would have been godly men around him. As he said, better to be a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. And he had to learn in the end that the greatest riches are to listen to God's word and to, as the Lord Jesus said, blessed is he that heareth my word and keepeth it. And that's so important in the life. You can, you can learn, you can attain, and sometimes when we come under the word of God, we think it's equivalent to doing but it's not equivalent to doing. We might satisfy ourselves with hearing a sermon and we can nod and give all the assent. But my friends, that is not doing. That's not putting to practice what we know. And to do this, we need to look to Christ who can strengthen us for all things. Except we abide in Him and in Him and us, we will not bear fruit. And the righteous are to bear fruit even unto old age. It is sad to see, and I'm sure you've seen it, Christians later on in life not bearing fruit. And it does happen. 
It doesn't mean to say that they've necessarily fallen away. But they should and ought to bear fruit to God. We need to look to the Lord Jesus, who is wiser than Solomon, who gave wisdom to Solomon, and in him all the hidden treasures and the wisdom of God are hidden in Christ. That's who we need to look to today. And we need to look to him whose heart was only to love the Father and to do the Father's will. Remember the voice that came from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. We pray that above all this morning, we will hear the Spirit of Christ speaking to our own hearts. The one who, when he came into the world, said, Remember, and even a greater than Solomon is here. May we listen to his spirit today through his word. So here in this chapter we see Solomon's fall. But something else, we'll also see God's sovereignty in all of Okay, and I would challenge you to listen to that today. It's called The Downfall of the Wisest Man! Exclamation mark. It, that, I'm just giving you how it's all written out. Um, it's on the Sermons 2.0 app or the Sermon Audio website. Please listen to that today for your today's focus. Someone in chat said fruit. It's kind of ambiguous. Yes, when when someone says we will produce fruit, it is kind of vague. You can go and say, well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, good, goodness, meekness, self-control. And, and we can look at some of that supposed spiritual fruit. This is what I always say, first and foremost— my any spiritual fruit I have first and foremost, I'm going to point to Christ. Christ, in a sense, demonstrated all of that spiritual fruit, and in him, that spiritual fruit is then, in a sense, imputed to me. So in Christ, I have all spiritual fruit that I need. I do believe that we should look to the fruit of the Spirit that should be manifest in our life. Again, I can, I'll just give you the passage, Galatians chapter... Galatians chapter 5, I believe. Yeah, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, right? And so we definitely should pursue that, desire that, want that, long for that, look for that. We will always fall short of it in some way, shape, or form because no matter which fruit you look, it's always going to have some level of corruption because we have it in, we have corruption inside of us that will always remain. But in Christ, Christ did love the way you're supposed to love. He loved the Father. He loved others. In Christ, then I, his, his obedience to the command to love is mine. He did have joy. He did have peace. He did long suffer. All of those things are true of him. And because I'm in him, they're true of me positionally. Practically, yeah, I should pursue these at all costs. I should. I must constantly battle and fight and try to live this out. Um, but, um, I think that, I think the main thing is, is I just find it funny that you're, you're getting ready to talk about Solomon, the wisest man falling. And it's, it's basically turns into, Hey, basically you don't do that. You don't do that. Well, if, if Solomon fell, then like, I mean, it's just the wisest man on earth became a, I mean, he broke God's law directly by getting involved with women. He shouldn't check up. I, I mean, a serial, I mean, polygamist. To the, again, Olympic level, an adulterer at a level that probably most people will never even comprehend, and an idolater. I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, he went with, it's like Solomon was just looking for commands to break. 
So I, my hope can't be, well, hey, you better try harder. Or my hope can't be, well, well, well see, Christ will give you strength to, to overcome it. But God couldn't give Solomon the strength. Like, so the, like that even leads to questions. The point is we look to Christ because Christ died to pay for our failure. And in him, we have his perfect obedience, righteousness imputed to our account. That's our only hope is in the finished work of Jesus Christ, not in what we do. But I just find it humorous that yesterday was three hours <laughs> dealing with Solomon, and I wake up this morning, and the first sermon, <laughs> the very first sermon, it's right there in the newest sermon section. So it had just been added, the downfall of the wisest man. <laughs> I want you to go listen to it today. I want you to go see how, how they handle it, what they do, do with it. And I want you to just look at 1 Kings chapter 11 today for your today's focus. And I just really want you to ask yourself, how do we understand the fact that all the wisdom, we could be the wisest person in the world and it will not overcome our sinful nature. It does not conquer it. Um, yeah, that is true. Uh, someone says Solomon is huge in the pagan and... Uh, occult community there there is there is a lot of he gets us he does get mentioned by lots of other groups it is interesting and you could possibly see why <laughs> you could possibly see why but that is your today's focus for this Wednesday April the 26th 2023 I hope you'll give it some serious thought today and I, well, there's plenty there for you to think about. I, I feel like I should have done more teaching, but we've done a lot of teaching and uh, we'll probably be doing even more on Solomon. But I just thought it was, uh, I just thought it was funny. I just thought it was, I thought the whole thing was hilarious. So there was just no way I could come up here, do a today's focus and ignore everything that happened this morning. There's just no way. Maybe I, maybe I should be a better actor, but I, I, I just like to be more transparent. All I could do this morning was laugh, just like, that's ridiculous. They're, why? Why? Why am I getting more Solomon? But maybe there's a reason. So look for more discussions about Solomon. We're going to be reviewing some sermons on the on the Song of Solomon. We may do a book overview in the Song of Solomon. We, we've got some other things. We're going to basically create a series on the Song of Solomon. And... Uh, <laughs> Just because, hey, you know, if, if someone emails me and is very upset with how I'm supposedly approaching a subject, look, I'm more than willing to give it as much work and time as I can, because look, I'm more than willing to admit that I could be wrong. But I do know this. If anyone claims that Solomon could not have written the Song of Solomon as a book about physical union, sexual in a relationship, erotic desires, because he was too godly or he was too holy or he was too moral. That is the most ridiculous hermeneutical argument I've ever heard in my life because the man would have been an expert on those types of things. Put his way, he could write it far better than most of us could because I don't know about you. I don't have 700 wives and 300 concubines. Something to think about today. And that is your today's focus for Wednesday, April the 26th, 2023.